Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Bill. What the With fuck? me as always is Mark's fiance, Carol. How you doing today, Carol? Hey, uh, Prospector Bill, what's going on? How much has been a good week here? It is May 16th, 1998. Are you sure it's not 1898? That's a very funny joke, Carol. So, uh, for those of you that don't realize, uh, I am not Mark, I am Bill. Uh, Mark has been uh, away on assignment, so I'm feeling in for him. And uh, I watched the movie with Carol, so we're we're just gonna just gonna roll with it, have some fun. What do you think, Carol? I I I, I don't know what to think, Bill. Um, I'm wondering what kind of assignment my fiance is out on. <laughs> well, he never told you this, Carol, but uh, Mark is uh, works for the CIA. How many of you believed that that was not me and was Bill? Late fee, 1994 at L.com. Carol and I have a bet on how many people were fooled by that. She said I'd fool no one. That That is correct. I said I'd fool at least one person. And you, if you, you are... You didn't like Bill? If you are that one person and you're not afraid to admit it... Did it sound convincingly different than my regular voice? I don't know. Was it too? You saw it. You saw it coming out of my face. Yeah, it's it's hard when I see you. Yeah, and I can't tell because I'm in my own head. So (laughs) it's a scary place to be. Yeah, it is. Anyway, speaking of being in your own head, uh, Carol. Yeah, a man has a plan. To snuff out smoking. Okay. What do you think about this? Uh, good luck to him. The site of the big Philip Morris manufacturing plant in Richmond, Virginia, evokes an odd combination of reactions. It's one of the most recognizable business names in the world, a huge and lucrative operation. Yet to look at the plant devoted to producing cigarettes is to feel as if you're seeing a painting fade right before your eyes. Interesting. What a weird sentence. Yeah. Cigarette smoking's under attack from seemingly every corner. The President of the United States has been regularly going after the cigarette mark makers, accusing them of trying to target America's young people as their future customers. Politicians and state attorneys general have been, that's the plural, have been threatening the companies with a devastating array of painful potential penalties. Potential what now? Penalties. (laughs) Last week, week, Liggett and Myers reportedly agreed to cooperate with the Justice Department's criminal investigation of the tobacco industry outside of office buildings all across the U.S. Small groups of workers huddle together and smoke prohibited from doing it inside. (laughs) What do you think? Um, New anti-smoking laws. I don't know. I mean, I'm just glad we quit, but I mean, it sucks. Like, I feel like people who smoke get kind of like the short end of the stick and get like discriminated against, but at the same time, 
now that I don't smoke, it's like I I get it why you don't want the smoke inside. Whereas before, I never really understood. Right. How about you? What do you think? I think that... uh, I think that it sucks for people that smoke. I mean, they're they're human beings. Right. It's hard to quit. It's very, very hard. You got to talk into the microphone. It's hard to talk into the microphone because the microphone was not in the correct place of my face. Yeah, but you're in control of this. <laughs> to a degree. So, uh... So here's uh, Mr. Layman's plan to for to quit smoking, okay. snuff out smoking. Okay, what is it? Pick a date in the near future, say January first, nineteen ninety nine. It can be any date: August twelfth, nineteen ninety eight, September second, two thousand two. Pick a date: April fourteenth, twenty twenty five. Now pass a law that says simply anyone born before that date is allowed to smoke. Anyone born after that date is not allowed to smoke ever, no matter what. Oh, interesting. So they're not going to let people who turn 18 smoke. Correct. If you're born after any date, in the, like one of those dates in the near future. So like he said, say, say a baby's born January 1st, 1999 or after. Then you can't be, you can't smoke. So they're like grandfathering in people who already smoke or already born and i don't know why they're doing that though like just make it so the people turning 18 can't like why why are we saying oh hey you know if you're born today you can still smoke when you turn 18 i don't get that because some people that aren't aren't 18 are smoking right now carol like that's that's a hugely foreign concept to you well no you started smoking when you were a fetus correct (laughs) yeah pretty much so yeah, that's why because they want to make it and they they're passing laws where they can't advertise now and things like that. So society's shifting in a way where it's going to not be indoctrinated into people right. about smoking. So I, I assume that's why it's an interesting idea. I I honestly think though that the way the way or what they're doing right now. With the advertising and things like that, I think it's co- I think it's effectively going to kill it anyway for people born after those. Really? Yeah. Don't you? Mm, I, I mean, I can't speak to my subconscious mind, but I don't feel like I was really you know influenced to smoke that much by advertisement as much as it you know seeing other people smoke. Yeah, but there are fewer people that smoke now than there than there like in the fifties. It was everywhere. Well, I wasn't around in the 50s, Grandpa. That was you. Or a different age. But, but no, I mean, I mean, you, you look at like the 1940s, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go every decade after that, smoking got, cigarette smoking, I think, is less and less pervasive. Interesting. Maybe it grew in popularity from the 40s to like the 70s. Okay. But I feel like it's started to get less and i feel like it's less now than it was well it's definitely less now like people are a lot less accepting of smoking than they used to be yeah that, well that's what i'm saying you can't smoke inside i think all those little things are going to add up together and advertisement is so the lifeblood of and here's the thing 
And I do think it works on a subconscious level because it's not it, it's not necessarily like you see Joe Camel and you're like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to smoke because he's cool. Right. The billboards and things like that, it makes it feel per, it makes it feel permissive. Like we have permission to do it. It makes it feel like part of society. Okay. It's not hidden away. In a place you can't see. You know, like pornography, like uh, Playboy and stuff like that. You know how that's hidden away behind uh, the piece of cardboard that they yeah. cut out so you can't see the naked women on the, the shelf and everything. And how it's hidden away, right? It's still legal, but it's hidden away. If there were billboards of it all over the place, it would be more widespread because it would feel more a part of our world. Interesting. I guess I can see that. That's a good point. So I think that is going to hurt the cigarette industry big time. I honestly, I I mean, do this, I guess, if you want. Put a prohibition on tobacco for people born after a certain period of time. It'd be really hard to enforce. Yeah. Because the tobacco is still going to be around for older people. If you picked 1999, then, I mean, in 2099, there would still be people alive, at least a few who could smoke. Right. But would they? Right. I mean, because, you know, like they'd be 100, like 101 years old or whatever. Right. right? There'd still be the odd, uh, whatever, George Burns that smokes <laughs> cigars. Ah, crazy. Um, it's a perfect George Burns impression. But speaking of perfect impressions, Carol, do your do your Fran Drescher impression. I don't have do a Fran Drescher impression. No. Mr. Fine. See, that was Carol. Didn't that sound? That was not that me. That sound really Do crazy. not pin that shit on me. Aw, <laughs> <Aww>, Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'll never do it again. Right there. That's it. <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> Nanny Fran gets ready to walk down the... Isle. The what? Uh, A-I-S-L-E. Isla. The Isle, okay. The star and producer of The Nanny flips into promo mode as soon as she's asked about Wednesday night's big wedding episode of the CBS sitcom. It's gonna be terrific! Oh my god. Says Dresser, chatting in her signature nasal New York voice. We're also exploring... The 24 hours that preceded the wedding, adds Dresser of the hour-long season finale. It's going to be funny and engaging and sentimental. Huh. Oh, I get it. We'll laugh. We'll cry. We'll have a good time. So what do you think? Uh, Fran's getting married. Are you excited? I am. I want to see it. We should watch it. I know you're big on the nanny. I like the nanny. And I like weddings. Do you? Uh-huh. Like four weddings and a funeral? Sure. We saw that movie. We did. We're also planning a wedding. So. It had that, uh, I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Love is all around What is me. happening? And so the feeling grows. Don't you remember? It had a remake of that Trogs hit. No. Love is all around. No, I don't remember. Yeah, there was, but it was like... Feeling in my fingers. 
I feel it. We we talked about it when we watched that movie, how terrible it was and how no one should ever do that again. Hmm. How specifically Richard Curtis, hmm. the director, should not do that again in any of his movies. Okay. I kind of remember, but meh. That was a long time ago. Meh. That was a long time ago. Anyway. Uh, My brain is not a vault. Speaking of meh, we watched a movie. <laughs> you didn't like it? Le meh. Is Rob's Lemis Lemis Robles? Yeah, I just say Lemis because of that. Lemis Rob. Anyway, Miserables, Les Miserables. It had a pretty good cast, based on the Victor Hugo novel mm-hmm. of the same name, and the beautiful stage production of the same name, starring. Liam Neeson. Okay, Schwarzenegger. What? <laughs> what? You sounded like Liam Neeson. Yeah, Liam Neeson. Uh huh. And uh, Uma Thurman. Uma Uma Thurman. Um, Stop Liam Neeson. <laughs> Go ahead. Claire Danes. Yes, your favorite, Claire Danes. And From my so-called life. I'm trying to think about who else. Was there anybody else worth mentioning? Yeah, some dude. Okay. Some dude trying to free France right. from the perils of monarchism. Monarchism? So I think most people are familiar with the story of Lamus. Do you? I think so. Well, let's tell them. So this guy was put in prison for, I believe, 17 years. 19. 19 years. For stealing bread to feed his family. Yeah, or himself. Hmm? Or himself, because he never mentions the family. Oh, that's true. Just says he was hungry. Oh, I feel like in the pro- the play production, like he had a family. <laughs> the play-duction? Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe. I'm, maybe I'm remembering wrong, but I thought I, he did. So here's the thing. I've never read the book. Mm-hmm. I've read a lot of classics, but... Uh, Les Miserables is one of the ones I haven't read. And I've never seen the stage production, which apparently has music. Yeah. and uh, Is it upbeat? No. I've got consumption. Or whatever, you know, like, does Fantine sing that, like a, a jaunty number? No. Okay. So it's all dour. It's like, I'm singing, but I'm dying. You're like, so it's weird. Like John Waits. Sure, we'll we'll go with that. Okay. Um, anyway, I've never um, seen it. I don't know. I don't know the songs. Well, I saw it a long time ago, and I don't really remember that much about it. So okay, I, I can talk about the movie. Yeah, let's talk about the movie. That's what people are here to listen to. Or us talk about the movie. Um. Anyways, he was put in prison for stealing because he was hungry. I guess. Smashed a window, stole some bread. Yeah. And um, when he was released, somehow he manages to become mayor of a town. Well, you're skipping a lot of things there. Am I? Yes. Do you think that they open the doors to the prison and they're like, <laughs> now you're mayor? Okay, no. So he first he ended up going to the convent. Jesus right? Christ. Girl. Okay. <laughs> so. What? The movie opens with him laying on the fucking ground and this old woman like, get out the street, you lazy asshole. And he goes, I'm, I'm French. 
I've got an Irish accent and I'm French. <laughs> There's a lot of English French people in this movie, by the way. Right. There are a lot of English accents for this French film. And she's like, uh, we'll try that house over there, that light. So he goes over there and it's a it's a, a like a, a rabbi or or not a rabbi, a um reverend or a minister or some it's a religious a person. Priest. Is he, it's is a he, convent. It's not a convent, it's his house. But he goes back. It's the same dude later. No. He died. Are you sure? After he was mayor, he writes like, you know, I'm this charity or whatever. God rest his soul. He recommends the convent as a charity that he gives some money to. Oh. But it's not. He's dead. Okay. He died off screen. All right. It's his house and where he lives with his wife yeah. or whatever, right? Okay. So he's like, yeah, come in, we'll feed you. And he feeds him, and he's like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a French, I'm a French, I'm a French thief. Uh-huh. I'm the most French thief you've ever met. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, we're in the times of troubles. Now that's, uh, that's a Northern Irish thing. Anyway, so, um, he's, 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 says, you know, that there, he's, He's an asshole. He could be a killer. Why'd you let me in? Yeah. I hate humanity. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I could kill you too. You know, I guess we'll have to trust each other. I thought that was a good line. Right. Yeah. Um. So then in the morning, you know, like he uh, fucking hits the dude in the head and steals his candlesticks. He's not his candlesticks, his silver. His, he's um, robbing him of his silver. Yeah. And the guy's like, what are you doing? And he punches him in the face so sad and then leaves and then he gets caught by the french police and they bring him back and they're gonna like charge him with the stealing and he's like oh no i gave him that stuff here you forgot the candlesticks yeah and then he says i am buying your soul or whatever mm-hmm. with you know by giving you this stuff he says take this money make something yourself you don't have to be a fucking worthless animal anymore right so was it like a shit ton of money well, he said the candlesticks would fetch 2,000 francs at least. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, that combined with a lot of the other silver. So, yeah, it must have been, must have been a good amount of money. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how much 2,000 francs is in 18... Well, 1832 is the culmination of the book, and I think it's like 20 years after that. It's so like 1812. Okay. It's got to be a lot of money. Right. So, but how does he become the mayor? I don't, I know, I didn't understand that. Do well, they explain it? We see him nine years later at this, in this small little town. And, well, actually what we see is Javert. Yeah. The policeman, he worked, guard. he worked at, well, he becomes a policeman, but he worked as a guard in this prison and he was like sadistic and beat the shit out of people and beat the shit out of Liam Neeson and said, uh, uh, Catholicism forever or whatever. <laughs> Northern Irish scum. And <laughs> so he uh, he shows up because he's going to be the new head of the police in this town. And there's a mysterious figure, Le Mayor or whatever. And they said, yeah, he came here and he was just a worker. And then the plant like failed and he bought it. For money he saved and turned it into a success and everyone loves him and they just made him mayor. 
Interesting. He didn't want to be mayor. He said he didn't want to be mayor, and they were like, no, you got to be mayor. And he was like, all right, I'll be mayor then, whatever. So he saved the town. Yes. That's cool. Okay. So that's how he became... (laughs) I love when you just discover things about the movie we watch when we're talking about them. Well, it's not like in the middle of the theater I can be like, hey, explain it to me. I don't don't know what happened. I got to wait till we talk about it. Right. (laughs) But... So, he becomes mayor of the town, and then Javert comes. The, this whole movie is like a a fight between him and Javert. Yeah, for sure. And everyone's just collateral damage. Right. But, essentially, the message of the movie is he's... he Ever since he was blessed by his... By this the priest, he became kind and godly and he took care of people and cared about people and all that stuff. And Javert, who's supposed to represent the law and justice and what's right, perverts that justice sadistically in his single-handed pursuit of this guy. And I assume it has to be Victor Hugo's biting commentary on the French monarchy versus the French Republican republics, okay. Republicans. That makes sense because that's this eighteen thirty two revolu- revolt or whatever is the the culmination of the the book, and it's a real historical event. And they lost the monarch won the monarchy won, and then eventually the monarchy fell. But um, see, see, I didn't realize it was it was that recent. Like I thought it was a lot longer ago when. Uh... Like the monarchy in France, oh, and like Marie Antoinette and all that. Like, was that a long time ago? Yeah. So they they went through different periods, right? Okay. Uh, so the French Revolution happened in uh, 1798. I want to say um, the storming of the Bastille and all that stuff, and that's when uh, like a tale of two cities takes place, and and the beheading of. The monarchy and stuff like that. All that stuff happened then. Okay. Late 1700s. Then uh, Napoleon came to power and decided to become emperor and started trying to take over the world and you know getting kicked out and all that stuff. And then there was a return uh, to the monarchy for a while. And then eventually they got rid of the monarchy. Okay. But yeah, so there was push and pull between that. Uh, and this is one of those times when the monarchy was still in power. So that's what's going on in the political backdrop of the movie. Sure. Um, but there's, like, I don't know, I'm more interested in the people. Yeah. And <laughs> Fantine, is that her name? Yeah. Is... She wasn't a prostitute. She was working in the factory. Trying to take care of her little girl. But she her, she's a bastard, little girl. She was unwed. Yeah. So they, they're like, oh, you can't work here. You're going to be a bad influence on people. So then she has no job. So she becomes a prostitute, which is what they were accusing her of in the first place. It's implied. I don't know. Like I said, never read the book, never saw the play. So I don't know if mm-hmm. it's if it's elucidated more there. But... It's implied to me in the movie that she was raped. Okay. And that's how she became pregnant. 
That makes sense. Um, but yeah, so yeah, well, God, then that's just like life shitting on her over and over and over. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she sends the little girl to go live with this family that she says are good people, and maybe she believed that, um, but they were not. No. And They're assholes. And she gets fired from her job, and she's now working as a prostitute, and she gets tuberculosis. Yeah. So sad. And you sound um, like a valley girl when you said that. She gets tuberculosis. <laughs> As if. It's sad. It is. Um, and then, what's the main character? Jean. Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean. Um, How could you forget that very French name? <laughs> My name he he sees her getting beat in the street by the police yeah no yeah no okay forget it I'm not, you tell them everything <laughs> i'm just gonna sit here and smile and not because i she's, don't know what happened she's been prostituting herself for a while now because she's she needs money to send to these assholes for the care of her daughter and she needs money from the fucking landlord so she has a place to stay she's sick with tuberculosis as you said so she's like coughing and stuff on the street uh javert the asshole police captain or whatever is there as is his like right hand man the guy that was in charge or whatever before he came and uh he the the bunch of guys are pushing her around and all this stuff and everything and being assholes and the one guy the the right hand man goes to stop it and he's like no let him uh, fuck her up basically and they like they kick her they push her all that stuff <clears throat> then he uh she strikes one of them and that's when javert comes in and grabs her and is like tells the gut men to go home and they're like you're being arrested because you hit that guy and she's like you know whatever trying to to tell her side of the story they take her to the prison She's trying to tell her side of the story, and he's like, shut up, you're fucking trash, all this stuff. That's when, while that's happening, the right-hand man guy goes over to Jean Valjean's house, since he's the mayor. And he's like, hey, you told me to tell you if he goes too far. Well, this shit shit happened. And he's like, okay. So he goes to the jail, and he says, let her go. And he's like, no, I'm not going to let her go. And like they get into an argument. They get into a pissing contest. He's like, I'm the mayor. The law says my what I say goes, so you're gonna let her go, and she spit in his face and everything too. Because it's his fault she got fired, is it though? Well, so they found a letter. One of the jealous women found a letter that she has a daughter, and it's brought up to the woman that runs like the women's side of this camp, this workplace, uh-huh. and. She says to him, he's, he's not, he's, because, because Javert just got there, he's distracted. And he needs to go make arrangements just in case Javert comes after him. And, uh, she's like, hey, this woman's there, you know, I don't think, uh, she should be there because it's going to corrupt the other girls. And he's like, I trust your judgment. (laughs) As a Frenchman, I trust your French judgment. And, um, so... She she fires her, but it's like he ran the place, so she blames him. Okay. Which, to which he says, hey, if you'd just come to me and explained, right. everything would have been fine, and you, it wouldn't have come to this. 
But he does take responsibility for her. He takes her and he takes care of her. Yep. And he's trying to help her get her daughter. Yep. So she keeps writing to these people that have the daughter and that they keep asking for more money. Yeah, they're assholes. They're awful people. And so eventually he goes to get her daughter. He should have gone fucking sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And instead of just going to get her daughter, um, he hears a rumor that somebody is pretending to be him and is going to be... <laughs> I'm He's so, laughing I'm, at me. Because I'm waiting for you to get it completely wrong. You're like on the wrong track and I'm waiting for you to keep <laughs> going and drive over the cliff. Javert tells him... There you go. ...that somebody that he first he says that he knows who he is right he says yeah i I thought you were jean valjean and then he comes back later and he's like i'm sorry i was wrong because they have the real jean valjean and he's going to jail so he tells him this and instead of going to get the girl like he's supposed to he goes to the court to tell them no i'm the real jean valjean don't send this dude Mm -hmm. why like what the fuck and and it takes him so long to take care of that business that the mom's dead by the time he gets the girl. Yeah. I'm very upset about it. Yeah, it Not sucks. right. I agree. Priorities, man. So he gets the girl. They flee to Paris. I don't know why they stay in France, but they flee to Paris. Uh, and then he, the, she grows up. And, and she's Claire Danes. Yeah. And then uh, she has to keep her in all the time because... He's afraid they're going to get caught, and then the revolution happens, and she falls in love. What? You're just, like, zipping past. Well, because I want to talk about it. I want to talk about some of the... the, I mean, like, we're kind of giving them the idea of, like, all the stuff that happened, but I also want to talk about uh, the movie. Okay. Like, our thoughts about the movie and everything. But the second half of the movie is mostly just her falling in love with this guy. I mean, just like any teenager, or, or I assume right. she's supposed to be a teenager. Yeah. Like any teenager, she wants to have a life and, and experience the world. And it is wrong of him to keep her like this. Yeah, and like she points out, he's not actually her father, but he makes her call him Papa. Right. And I mean, he's taking care of her like he's her father, but yeah. still... Like, he's not, and he's basically, like, kidnapping her and keeping her inside all the time. Right. He took her to a convent, and that's where she was for, like, well, that's where all they, the years yeah, that we don't they, see them. That's where they hit out, yeah. So. Um, but yeah, she falls in love with this young revolutionary uh, who she hears speaking on the street one day. Um, and they begin to meet. All the while, Javert has been sent to Paris to fucking so he's there now their paths keep crossing and then this is messed up so this is towards the end of the movie now javert finds out that the guy's there that jean valjean is there he's like i'm gonna fucking get him and he goes to try to get him he gets caught up with the revolutionaries he gets captured and strung up and everything and uh, Jean Valjean's like, they're going to kill him. And Jean Valjean's like, let me do it. And he takes him out into the thing. And he's like, yeah, kill me. Fucking kill me. Like, I, the whole time I was like, man, this dude wants to die. Right? Because he's like, you must kill me now. Uh, the whole movie, like, anytime Liam Neeson had power over him in some way, Jeffrey Rush, that's who played Javert, uh, if, if he had power over him in any way, 
he was like, you've got to fire me. I denounced you. You have to fire me. You have to get rid of me. And he and Liam Neeson keeps showing him kindness. So, like, every time something happens where he could do something terrible to him, he shows him kindness. And here, when he could kill him, he, like, cuts his stuff and whatever, and he's like, he's like, I'm, you know, uh, I'm buying your life. It's something similar to what the priest right. told him. But he's like, you know, I'm buying your life. Get out of here. I am not going to kill you. And he's like, you know that I'll never stop coming. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Do what you got to do. But, like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right. It's so weird, too, because this all happened because he didn't go see his parole officer. Why? <laughs> That's never explained. Yeah. He was supposed to travel from the priests to wherever he was supposed to go, whatever city. I, I can't remember the name of the city. But to see his parole officer and check in there. But he didn't. Instead, he runs and gets an assumed name and becomes mayor of this town. Yeah, that is weird. But he does it just to work. Like, it's not like he does it. Like, maybe he wouldn't have been able to get a job as a convict, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a problem now. I'm assuming it would be a problem back then. So that might maybe that's part of the reason why, too. I don't know. But apparently jumping bail or, or, you know, or not bail, but uh, like not checking in with your parole officer. Also, it's funny to me. I didn't realize that parole officers that long ago. Right. Like that started like that that long ago. But and they do say parole officer, so I assume uh-huh. it's got to be uh, accurate to the time period. Um, but I apparently doing that, not checking in with your parole officer, uh, comes with it a life imprisonment. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, oh, you broke parole, so you're going to prison for life yeah that's fucked up um so anyway um so he lets him go then later javert catches him and it's it's all over like he's got him he could send him back to prison and he writes a note and gives it to one of his dudes and is like give this to the captain this will tell him what happened or whatever and in the note we don't know this but in the note he says he kills Jean Valjean, so everyone will think he's dead. But instead, what Javert does is chain his own wrists and jump into, I assume, the River Seine and kills himself. Yeah, what the fuck was that about? So that, to me, that's the most interesting question in the movie. We learn a good deal about Jean Valjean, who he is, why he does the things he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cosette, or yeah, Cosette, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the That's Claire Danes. Danes. Yeah. We learn about her, you know, Fantine, same thing. We don't know anything about Javert really. Right. Anything about his personal life or his inner workings or anything other than what's just presented surface, face surface to, uh, you know what I mean. Face value, yeah, uh, to us in the movie, which is that he believes staunchly in the rule of law and right and wrong. He's a black and white thinker who isn't opposed to violence, right? So, my thought is, and this could be wrong, but my thought is, is that he thought about it and realized that. That he was the bad guy, essentially. That 
all the kindness and the things that he done, that he done. I mean, think about think about all the places that he went. Uh, all the places that John Valjean went, he made better. Right. In the in the movie, and helped people, and, and and all that stuff, and he saw that and realized that's what I'm fighting against. The law says I need to catch this man, put him in jail for the rest of his life. But is that really the right thing to do? Is that really a good thing to do? So I think he was caught between his sense of duty and his sense of right and wrong. Interesting. And I think that in the end he figured the only thing he could do, he couldn't do what he thought he had to do. So he did the only thing he could do, which was kill himself. Take himself out of the equation. Well, you gave him a lot more depth than I did. Like, I don't know, he just seemed evil to me, but apparently there there are layers. Well, why do you think he killed himself? I don't know. I I mean, like, that makes sense that he was, you know, just in this crisis and couldn't resolve it, so he thought that was his only option. I get it. But, um, I mean, it was really weird. Like, it was just puzzling to me. (laughs) So, for the most part... I found a lot of the beginning of this movie boring. Okay. I was just kind of like, eh, yeah, okay. I see. Mm-hmm. Um, every scene that Liam Neeson is in, though, you're riveted to him. Isn't that every scene? In his, I mean, in his performance. He's in a lot of the movie. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> I mean, like... There's a lot of stuff that was dull in the beginning, but his performance carried you through it. Right. Because his performance was captivating. When Once we got to the town, things got more interesting. And then the movie picked up, and and then I was invested in what was going on. Yeah, I found it a little bit boring, too, honestly. Like... I enjoyed the stage production when I saw it years mm-hmm. ago. Um, but the movie, not not as much. It's a little too... Not enough singing. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a little too slow. That's what I thought to myself is that, you know, this would be good, but there should be more singing. <laughs> there should. Um, sure. But, I mean, overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I think it was an interesting, like, character study, um, and it was interesting historical, you know, wise, but... I would give it a recommend. I'd say go see it. Really? Yeah. I mean, you can wait for video. I would wait for video. But I think it's worth it on the big screen, too, though. I mean, there's definitely an all-star cast, and the acting is great, and the story's a classic. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to see it. It's just... It's one of those made-for-an-Oscar-nomination films, though. Yeah. You know, where it's like, it doesn't speak necessarily a ton to our time. The human elements and the human story, you know, it's like universal love and revenge and, you know, all that stuff and everything. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's like, because I, I, I think about some other movies that are, like, compelling uh, that are made now that speak more to contemporary life and they're a little more dynamic, you know? 
this is a little more Merchant Ivory, kind of like old world uh, filmmaking. Um, but it's good. It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth seeing. I think, my who was your favorite character? Because for me, it was actually Claire Danes. Like, oh, I'm shocked. So I'm shocked that she was your favorite <laughs> character. I mean, Jean Valjean's awesome, but yeah, you mm. got to give it up to Claire Danes. Yeah. Well, that is the episode for the week, Carol. Uh, tell the people stuff. So you can write us at latefee1994 AOL.com. Yes. Check out our website at www.retrolatev.com. Also, yes. And share the tapes with your friends. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.